The other day, I had the opportunity to chop it up with my dear friend, Will Black. He's the sole reason our show sounds so good, despite me sometimes recording in inconvenient spaces. His music production is unmatched, but before all of this, him and I were co-workers every Tuesdays. Over the past 25 years, we've experienced so much growth, celebrated marriages, laughed, and spoke deeply about our dreams and children. We've also buried friends. In this episode, we talk about politics, why black men voted for Trump, and how they'll likely to do it again. We talked about fatherhood and just overall joy. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as we did. I think we all tend to think we know it all. Well, especially when we're like 16, 17, 18, 25, somewhere in there. There's that know-it-all space of life. Like, you can't really tell me nothing. Exactly. And then move on from that. And you realize, holy shit, I don't know if I know anything. I feel like one one of the things I love to say is, um, I feel like we realize we don't, the moment we realize we don't know shit is the moment we realize we know everything. Or I mean, the See, now I gotta smoke. I'll figure it out. <clears throat> so I'm down to talk to you about any and everything. I've I know what I suggested before. And um Well I figure we get a little politics in there. Talk about the election. I'd love to hear your take on it. um this whole uh Fannie Willis situation. Oh, Fanny. <laughs> I think it's Fawny. Oh, yeah, my bad. Yeah, yeah. Fawny, which I still not quite understanding where that name came from. Maybe it's an old family name or something. I'm not sure. Well, I've learned a lot because um, <laughs> well, her dad was a Black Panther. Did you know this? No, but when I saw him testify or a piece of him testifying, I got some of that. I got a I got a feeling that there was a lot of uh um, you know, you're not about to sit here and tell me and then I'm gonna sit here and lay everything out for you in a very unapologetically black man sort of way. Yes. Yes. And and knew how to maneuver um you know how to be respectful but um yeah he it was very very interesting i've been kind of uh obsessed with it slightly you know really? and yeah. i haven't watched the majority of it i've only really seen the clips because i heard about it i read about it a little bit i find myself reading like the guardian um, somewhat of the New York Times I have a subscription to but there are so many things that are behind paywalls and so then it's like following up on like TikTok and a lot of the TikTok videos there are a lot of people who recap and will reshow some stuff so I'll catch things mm-hmm. that way mm-hmm. but um, you know I didn't realize they were I should have realized that they were going to make such a big deal out of this as a stall tactic and really that's all that I think that it is it's a stall tactic to uh, keep the conversation about something other than Trump and him uh, trying to steal the election in 2020 so let's make it about this black woman 
and whoever she might be sleeping with. And I have the feeling that the soon-to-be ex-wife of uh, the guy, the, the special prosecutor that Fani is supposedly having a relationship with, that she's getting some sad money or, you know, some sort of kickback from the Trump folks to like keep throwing flames on this because she might be a bitter wife. She might be a woman scorned. She might have real um, qualms with her soon to be ex-husband, which is completely understandable. But I think even with all of that, like I'm not about to add something that's going to might that might end up hurting the case around him trying to steal the election. Like there's there's just too many different spaces. Like, okay, so you if you had an affair, you didn't have an affair. We're not together, whatever. I'm mad, all of that. But what I'm not about to do is help the Trump administration or the 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 Trump uh uh, lawyers compile such a case that it ends up making his case null and void. I'm just not about to do that. That doesn't even make any sense. And I can't imagine too many folks would if they gave a crap. Well, just based on the stuff that I've listened to, because, you know, this has kind of replaced some of my uh, usual podcast listening over the last week or so. Um, they're just what I'm learning is if you are doing things dirty or you're not doing things by the book and they want to get you whoever they is they will because based on what I'm seeing there's so many holes in how they've been running their business there's, there's too many question marks. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. And it's like when you... I just feel like, especially as black people, we know that we have to be that much better or we have to be, you know, good or, you know, like, I'm not driving in, you know, Bloomfield Hills with four dudes in the car with baseball caps. You know what I'm saying? My white friends ain't even thinking about it, and they're cool. So it's like... With bass, the bass thumping and... Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, I feel like that's some in an odd way, it's almost like some Kwame Kilpatrick type It's so stuff. funny that you said that, because I was going to say um, the same thing that sometimes I think we get to a certain level and we think that we are actually equal and forgetting that even though we might have a title, we might have some money, we might have some stature and some clout, they will find a way to remind you exactly what they think of you. And so you can't play the game that was not built for you to be a part of um and you weren't meant to be one of the players and if you get too close to it i think that's when they start to knock things down don't hate the player hate the game and that's and the game should be hating but with Fonny, i think that 
I don't, my personal opinion from what I have seen, I don't think she did anything wrong. You know, she and a lot of coworkers sleep together. Like that's probably pretty common, even though people say it's frowned upon, whatever, what have you. I don't know if there's any HR issues with that for, you know, where they are technically employed. But, you know, it happens more often than not that people who work together in the long hours and the this and the that and the whatever, that they end up, you know, in some sort of relationship, whether it's a for real, for real relationship or if it's just a, you know, a right here, right now sort of situation. And so, you know, I it, it doesn't come across to me that she's stupid in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Like, she has to know, like, what is okay and what is not okay and if it was going to cross any lines. And I feel like she probably crossed all her T's and dotted all her I's before, especially since they've taken vacations together, apparently. So if that's the case, I feel like, you know, that she's done everything above board and they're just fishing for something but I feel like she sounds to me and presents to me as somebody it's like you can't check me on this because I'm following the rules to the T like I did not fall outside of the lines from you know I'm not paying for stuff or 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 paying for stuff separately or all of that because otherwise most people aren't thinking about you know whether or not I gave you cash on this day for x y and z and the other thing I thought was really dope that she just keeps that much money you know, locked up in her own house because her daddy was like, you know, cash is king, you know, and you gotta, you know, you can't trust banks. That was like the blackest thing I've heard in a really long time. Well, I mean, we're very familiar with that. You know, that wasn't some, something that I wasn't, um, you know, that, that was something that I was, when, when that was said, I'm like, well, yeah. Right. You know, the the big question that they're trying to raise that I'm noticing because I'm watching how the defense, which is interesting in itself, because mm-hmm. it's the defense that's now prosecuting them in this trial. So that gets very confusing because they're not on trial. Right. They're basically trying to make it look like the reason that um, I forget what the uh, assistant DA that she hired or whatever his position was, the assistant attorney, because he's not a DA. But, no, he's like a special prosecutor, I think. Maybe. Right. So they're basically trying to make it look like the only reason that he even got that job was because they had this relationship. Right. So it's looking like a kickback thing. And based on how their I's and I's are dotted and their T's are crossed and how it's looking, it ain't looking good. Because what they haven't done is proven that it isn't some type of kick. There's too much possibility of possible something which is just enough you know and we go back to when you know being black like it's just enough for you know the opposition whether that's the republicans or 
um, you know, right wingers or, um, you know what I mean? Whatever, because that's the whole thing. There's always this common thing, but they put we put these titles on. And there's always this common thing to me where it's like, well, if you change the titles and the names of certain people, everybody's saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like if this was a Trump, if this was reversed and these were Trump's lawyers and all of this same stuff was coming up. We wouldn't care what the hell was going on. That's enough for us to be like, see, we need to overturn this whole case or they need to get some new people in office. You know you know what I mean? All of the same stuff. Mm-hmm. So I find that interesting. I'm sorry. I'm kind of going out on a tangent. No, off a tangent his about his name is Nathan Wade. Yeah, Wade. Special prosecutor Nathan Wade. But he was a private attorney who came on to help oversee the case and I'm, don't quote me because i could be misquoting some of this or explaining it wrong so i don't want to um be putting out misinformation i want i do want to be <laughs> conscious of that but basically it's just it's it's not looking good it's just and ultimately the goal is as you said to um you know delay delay this as long as possible so right you know I mean, that's the only thing I can say is that what they did do was give um, room to prolong the case. Because I've seen a lot of comments online about how, you know, she's messing it up and, you know, she's ruined the case, you know, because of, you know, her sexual desires or what have you. And, you know, and it's always different when it's a woman versus a man. I think if you know, the main person was a man, if it was him in Fonny's place and in her, then it would be looked at just a tiny bit differently, I think, because there's always something um, extra adding like, oh, she's doing what? And she's supposed to be in charge. There's this, I feel like sometimes this level of, um, I'm trying to think of the word. I don't know, but there's this, there's like a station, like if a woman gets to a certain space, um, you know, she's she's certainly not allowed to mess up. You add blackness to it and you add that, you know, I got to work twice as hard. You add a woman to that and it feels like three times as hard. And then if you do something like everything is looked at with such a such a microscope and such a um, with such a fine tooth comb. It's like if you're doing anything and anything having to do with sex, heaven forbid that, you know, a successful woman is sexual. My gosh. Oh, well, no, not not a, a successful, powerful woman like that as, as well. We just need to communicate more and people don't communicate enough. And we we need to communicate with people that we people that aren't like minded. Um, I learned more from listening to um different views than to constantly listen to views that to reinforce what I'm already believing. You know what I mean? But how do people listen more in this case when it comes to what happened here? 
Well, just like just like as I said, first of all, just start very simple and basic. Um, I feel you know it's like I feel in a lot of cases, um, politics, race. We we choose we root for who we can relate to most. I believe. And it's the whole well, can you have a beer with them sort of thing. Yeah, or 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 I mean, or maybe you wouldn't maybe I wouldn't have a beer with Trump, but you know, Trump uh Trump pardoned Lil Wayne. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like so that for me is like Lil Wayne, that's my boy. So it's like I'm Trump. <laughs> that's it. You know, so it's like I feel like we root for what we identify with you know christians will vote republican because republicans are pro-life and that's it mm-hmm. Not, nothing else matters you know I, I i i identify with you know being that so um with that in mind i feel like sometimes we have to put ourselves in the other shoe as this conversation is being had. If you're talking to an atheist who really believes that, the 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 worst way to start off the conversation, I believe, is telling that atheist they're wrong for believing that because you're Christian, you know? And and I think that that's what most of us do. We start off as with the, well, I believe this, so since I believe that, then you're just wrong. And we're not willing to start from a place of, okay, let's just start from the place of really having a strong belief in something and respecting that belief. And then trying to, and then being okay with disagreeing as well we don't have to fight but just starting from a place of truly wanting to understand instead of wanting to be right mm-hmm. so are you saying you vote for Trump no I'm not saying anything I, you know this is funny because I, I expected this question for some reason uh, when I knew that <clears throat> you and I would be having this conversation. Why? Um, I don't know. I just figured it may come up. It was really weird. And um, Well, there are a lot of black men, and I didn't pull up the stats. I might try to find them. But there are, you know, the stats that there were quite a few black men who uh, voted for Trump last go-round. Uh, and it's gonna be there are more a lot this time. people who believe that he may... Um, um, that, you know, not even identifying as Republican, but just believing that Trump did something um, for black people or for the economy and for their bottom line that makes them believe that they should vote for him over um, a Democrat, Joe Biden or otherwise. I feel that there are going to be more black people that vote for Trump this time. I think a lot of that will depend on 
who the other options are, but based on what I'm seeing, um, yeah, I believe there's going to be more black people that vote for Trump this time. Definitely more black men. And I can understand why. I can understand why. And why is that? For the same reasons that I said before, where I feel like people... Billy Parton, Kwame Kilpatrick, and uh, Lil Wayne. Well, no, not just that, but more black men can relate to Trump than they can to Biden. They don't relate to they don't relate to Kamala Harris, and they don't relate to Biden at all. But what do they relate with with Trump? Trump's effort mentality. Trump's uh-huh. Trump's like I'm gonna do this. Trump's everybody's messing with me. Trump's you know what I'm gonna do this. You know, like mm-hmm. that's that's it. Trump's gangster mentality. They may not it's, like it's me against the world. Yeah, like for real. But but see, Trump is Trump is an amazing um marketeer, promoter. Mm-hmm. Um and he knows how to relate to a whole bunch of people and this is why if he is if he's on that ballot, he's going to win. That's what I believe. And what do you think that will do for black people if he wins in I, this country? You know what? I honestly... I don't know because I don't... I don't know... It's like... <clears throat> And it's, this is a hard, it's a hard conversation for me to have with a lot of people, be, a lot of black people, because it'll sound like I'm voting for Trump and that's not the case. But I'm not just going to roll with some just roll with Biden just because I'd, I'd rather vote for some, you know, uh, 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 one of the um, um, independents, mm-hmm. you know, um, somebody who's more in the middle or just whatever. But I'm not going to just roll with it because I feel like um, none of them have our interest in mind. It's like we're picking, well, what's two evils? Yeah. And I, they say that all the time, you know, it's I, the less people's it. it's like when but when do we move past having to pick between, you know, Satan and Hades? Like that doesn't sound like the pathway um, you know, or the road to Oz, I guess. It's easy to say that when when we're doing good. You know, like you know, it's it's hard to not. It's it's hard to not. It's 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 easy to eat healthy when you have money. Yes. You know when you have options. 
Oh yeah, when you have a when you have transportation, right? You have the the tools at home, the right pots and pans, and you know a good stove and all of that, and access to recipes and oh yeah, right. And we you can get and you can go to Whole Foods slash Whole Paychecks, and it ain't a problem. Exactly. So I feel like you know I related to that. It's like. But when you don't, so you're saying, so if you're living in the hood and you only have access to a McDonald's and a corner store, a check cashing uh, entity and a a, a Popeye's, mm-hmm. if you that's all you got, then what do you do? Right. You go on to the Popeye's and you've been eating the Popeye's and... That's what you know. And Popeye's is amazing. And it's the best chicken you've ever had. And I mean, there's no better chicken. You can go all over the world and maybe you may find some great chicken at some point if you decide to travel and leave your comfort zone of, you know, your neighborhood or your city or your state or whatever. But otherwise, if that's what you eat, and that's what you've been fed, and that's what you're used to, then that's what it is for a lot of people. Sometimes people never leave their their space. They can spend their whole lives in one city and never leave. And there's really nothing wrong with that, you know? Like, I'm... You think? I I don't think there's... if If they're happy... But I mean, how do you know if you haven't left to see what else there is? I'm not saying you have to move somewhere else, even though I'm a big proponent of moving right? and people being somewhere else for a while anyway, just to see what it is. Right. But to not ever leave the zip code and see what the rest, what is going on in the rest of the world and your bubble is so small, how do you understand your place in the world? I mean, I think that everybody has their journey and, you know, maybe your traveling is, you know, you just, maybe it's some sort of mental traveling or maybe it's some type of spiritual traveling or maybe your experiences are, you know, I should say your experiences, not necessarily your traveling, but your experiences, you know, are those ways you know um maybe some people some people's ex- exploration is um g- climbing mountains and um you know skydiving other people's form of exploration is in a book you know but i've learned that i feel that all of it is needed and all of it is a part of the bigger picture of what's supposed to happen in in life that's just what i think you know some people are like you know Mm. i hear people say stuff like man all that mf does is talk about dogs you know and they just care about the dogs but we need people that care about the dogs more than they care about people you know I have this um, analogy I like or this thought in my head where I believe that I believe that there's about 
five percent of the people in the world that supply pens and lighters. Like, when was the last time you? Maybe you and you might be different, but how how often are people buying pens and buying lighters? I can't think of the last time I just bought a pen or a writing utensil or maybe a lighter. But we all seem to have them. But they're coming from somewhere, you know. <laughs> they're coming from me because I enjoy buying office supplies. <laughs> but see, so <laughs> you're one of those people, right? If I turn around, like I could probably pull out fifty pens in this room, right? Literally, literally. And, and you leave like, them all over the place, right? Literally, like I have pens here. I've got another thing of pens, and at some well, the ones that I buy that are branded for uh, Make It Work Nevada, those I intentionally left all over the place. But I'm actually kind of stingy on my pens because if I get good ones, like this is a good one here. I love this uh, Uniball Vision Elite. Like this pen right here, if I let you borrow it, I'm gonna be like, you done right now? You done right? I'm gonna take my pen back now. Thank you, it's my pen. That and like the toll pens, like, you know, I'm kind of a pen snob. So I've got my colored pens and my highlighters and all that. But, I, you know, but yes, I am. I am someone who buys a lot of pens. But you, and I got a stash. And we need you. <laughs> that's, that's, and that's maybe that's why I'm on this earth, because I certainly pens and sticky notes. That's what I got. See, we need you. Yes. I believe there are some people on this earth that are meant to be ass. Sticky you know? notes. Everywhere. Oh, sticky my goodness. Notes. Oh, no. That's. This is just the grab that I just pulled up off the desk. That's not, you know, sticky notes. So let me ask when you I, about your sticky notes. When I named notes. this podcast Sticky Note Conversations, it was on purpose and it was because they are everywhere. They're stuck to books. They're inside of my note they're they're everywhere but that's how I focus and that's how I can say if once I throw a sticky note away that means I finished something which is great or I have my ones who are that are just my little quotes about things that I keep sticking that I stick them around to remind myself you know that I can do something when I feel like I can't well, let me ask you something about your sticky notes. Do you do you actually use them? Yes. You know, like cuz I'm like I just saw the amount that you had and it looks like the thoughts that are in my head. Mm-hmm. But when I write those thoughts down sometimes, it it's even more confusing because I write them down so fast that I don't even know what I wrote. Well, you have to, you know, take the time and like write stuff out. So like this is a longer, this is a big sticky note. And so things are written here. This is about, um, this is a to-do list, basically. Stuff <laughs> yeah, that that's a sticky list. I still list. haven't done. <laughs> yeah, that's not a note. That's a list. <laughs> yeah, there's a list. But it's still on a sticky note. It's right. on the extreme post-it notes, which are nice, because they 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 stick to anything forever. 
So you can stick that and it won't fall down. But, you know, I have sometimes I just need to write something down real quick. Like this is just somebody's, you know, a phone number on there. And, you know, there's just stuff. You know, I've got a sticky note of a note that my daughter left me. But then, you know, they're all over the place of things that I need to remember to do or think about more clearly. It's not an entire, you know, thought sometimes. Sometimes it is only a piece of something. I'll be in a movie sometimes. And if they say something that, you know, triggers me to want to think about this more or research it more, I will write it down on a sticky note. If I don't have a sticky note, then I'll write on the back of a receipt or something. But things just come to me. And so, you know, maybe it's very beautiful mind sort of thing, you know, and it's, yeah. and it's sort of all over the place. But I don't I don't know another way in order to like um, grasp and and hold on to all of my thoughts at the same time, because my brain works so fast sometimes. And then I'm also sometimes very forgetful. So it's like something will be brilliant. I could think of the most brilliant thing and then I'm going to forget it if I don't write it down right away. But it's working for you. So that's all that matters. Right. It's, it's, it's my thing, you know, and I'm going to keep, you know, sticky notes and pens in business for the rest of my life. You know, it, I, I will, I should probably just get some stock and post it, I think. Well, my wife is definitely a list and sticky note person. So, mm-hmm. and yeah, so I totally understand it. It just, it just does not work for me. So what do you do with all your brilliant ideas and your thoughts? I have to get them out immediately. Um, and do, well, I mean, you just write them down or you record them? I tell somebody, it depends on what it is. It's, it's not unusual for me to randomly call somebody and tell them something. Or um, it's even to record them, like even if it's like a creative idea musically, if I if I like pull out my phone and try to record it or do anything, it's not the same because it's not that organic feeling of when I did it. I guess I've never thought about it this way, but I guess it's kind of similar to when I say like if I write something down really quick, um, I usually don't remember it. Like, that was a whole thing when <clears throat> I was in the service industry and waited tables because I could take a party of, you know, 10, 15 people and remember their entire order and remember who ordered what, all of their subtractions and add-ons and everything and literally remember it. But if I wrote it down, I always messed it up. So, and this is exactly how I end up starting podcasts and never actually doing an introduction. So. (laughs) So what I'm going to do is this is another episode of Sticky Note Conversations. And it's a very 
uh, exciting episode because we're going to get a little bit of the behind the scenes um, and have a very interesting conversation and continue an interesting conversation with another one of my favorite people, Mr. Will Black. Whoa. And so how I would describe you if I was introducing you as I would say you are a you are a a music producer who has um been producing music the whole time that I've known you but also you are the person who taught me how to uh bartend a little bit and I think you you are Will is the person who showed me how to make a mudslide. <laughs> and that's what I think I will I will think of you as my friend who taught me how to make a mudslide at 18 and um a music mu- a music connoisseur and with a great ear. Wow. That's what I give you. And so, as I always do, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Will Black, who are you? I am Will. Will I am. <laughs> that is who I am. I am who I am. Um, I'm a husband, a father a brother, a son, a friend, a music lover, um, a student, and I don't know, a a vibe. (laughs) You are, you you are definitely a whole vibe. Definitely a whole vibe. Um, And so for the audience, to give a little background of how we know each other and how we got to this point. Back in 1998. Wow. I know. Back in 1998, I uh, applied for a waitressing waitressing position at Ruby Tuesdays in uh, Waterford, Michigan at the Summit Place Mall. And I was still in high school and I got the job and I think it was, it was my first waitressing. No, yeah, maybe, no, it wasn't my, I'm I'm lying. That was not my first waitressing job. My first waitressing job I think was at Baker Square, but this was my first like for real, for real job. And um, I started there and you know, I was one of the youngest, I think, but it was, I feel like it was my first grown up job where I was around grown ups who had like lives, children, and marriages and family and all kinds of stuff, you know. And I think I, I learned how to be a big girl working at Ruby Tuesdays. Uh, and I also learned like just, there were so many personalities. So, it, it, Working in a restaurant is a very interesting, interesting thing. But I watch sometimes, you ever watch like restaurant um, shows or anything like The Bear? Um, and you see like the back of the house kitchen folks or whatever. And 
Um, and there was a movie once too that um, really depicted that life. And it's just such an interesting thing. And I feel like I, there were so many personalities and including yours, but I think I might've been a little afraid of you when I first started, cause you seem mean, like you always seem grouchy and mad at something or whatever. And it was like, Ooh, don't get on Will's bad side. Man, it's interesting to hear that because I hear I've heard that often. You know, I wasn't the only one who thought that. Oh no, I mean you're not the only. I mean, people still say that at times. I guess I think I wear a lot of things on my face. Well, actually, I know that I do. Um, and yeah, I probably was pissed off about something. <laughs> But that's, you know, that's kind of bad, though, because I don't consider myself a grouchy person, you know, and I hate that, you know, in those moments, that's how I came off. But obviously, you got to know me a little better and know that that's definitely not who I am. No, not at all. Not at all. And I think, you know, I honestly, I think it was probably our mutual friend, Kelly, Mm. who... Uh, you were really close to and I was really really close to but we were close on like opposite sides of each other or what have you but you know y'all clicked probably right away which I think um, opened the door a little bit for me to actually get to know you a little bit better and then I don't know I think the first time I was invited to the brick which was like you know your house and used to have like these parties and stuff that I was like, oh, I'm in. Well, the brick was the studio. It was Brick House Studios. But yeah, there was a lot of partying and things that went on. And contrary to popular belief, I did, I wasn't a part of a lot of them because I was working in the studio. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everybody else partied. I would be working in that atmosphere. And those were some good times, though, actually. They really were. Oh, they were. They were. I remember one time in particular, we, I don't know, it was a holiday. Might have been like 4th of July or Oreo or I don't know. Somewhere where somebody would be barbecuing and making potato salad. And I made potato salad. And I think Sean made potato salad. And he was like, your potato salad is actually better than mine. How could that possibly be? And he said in his, in, in his big boisterous voice and it was so funny and I was like because I know how to make potato salad that's why and he was like how does Erica know how to make potato salad but I and I I remember that moment uh so well I don't I don't know why that moment sticks out to me so well um except for the fact that like I I really love Sean like he was so much fun and you know I I think of him often uh and and the amount of hilarity that he brought to the job, you know, both, you know, on the clock and off. He was so much fun. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's. Uh, you know, to. And that's again goes back to what I was saying earlier about journeys and purposes and, you know, those little moments that you've had with people and 
those people not knowing how it may have affected them or how it may mm-hmm. have affected you and it may it's something just in passing or whatever um and we really have some amazing friends from that era and that job and we lost some great friends and some amazing people and the ones you know that we lost it's like you know they say you know the 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 good ones or that wasn't the one that you would have expected or they didn't deserve it or whatever but you know in war sometimes a few are sacrificed in order to save many and I feel like you know those people Kelly, Sean, my brother when you think about who they were, what they, because I could think about special moments with all three of them, and then I know what they meant just amongst the group. And um, when you think about those moments and stuff, you you realize how important they were in those times where. Yeah, sometimes it's hard to believe that they're all gone. I don't feel old enough to have lost good friends. Because mm. I remember as a kid, I always tell everybody I was a daddy's girl, you know, and I, I was my grandfather's baby. Like everywhere he went, I wanted to go everywhere, you know, and, you know, I called him daddy. And he was, you know, the greatest man to ever lived to me. And, when I was little, I would go to funerals all the time. And I didn't really think too much of it because I was hanging out with my daddy. I would just go wherever he went. I got to put on a pretty dress and I got to go with him wherever he was going. And, um, you know, and being that young, you're not thinking about the funeral as, you know, anything other than, you know, somebody died. But what does that mean to you when you're five, six, seven, eight years old? Um, But I think about it now, the amount of funerals he would go to, because he was also very adamant, like if there's a funeral and you're able to go, you go. It was always ingrained to me, if you are able to go, you know, do your best to get there. Um, And so he would, but how that had to affect him to bury so many siblings and, you know, parents and friends and cousins and aunts and whomever um, that he did, um, you know, it, I think, you know, it takes a toll on you, you know, in life. And I'm thinking about it now that, you know, I've lost like friends, you know, you lose family members and people who knew you when you were younger and that's hard. You know, my mother died, my grandparents are gone. So, you know, I don't have a whole lot of family left. And then when you start losing people you're just friends with that you you meet randomly wherever and they become like family you know it it is you know it's like it's a really like surreal like place to be 
to think life is just so fleeting sometimes and the people that you don't think you're not going to see again or you're not going to talk to again um you know or whatever and then they're just gone and they're and it all feels like oh well they're too young it's you're just too young to have died at you know 30 something or 40 something yeah the, <clears throat> the hardest part sometimes is trying to trying to understand it and i just you just sometimes you just have to give up on even trying trying or attempting to understand it you know i have pictures where you know there's four or five people in them and three of them are Sean Kelly and my brother mm-hmm. you know and just look at this picture and just you can just see gaps yeah <laughs> or you're the only one or yeah you know so yeah but it's so interesting because my dad passed when I was seven and um you know, I believe that that it's like as I got older I understood what the importance of seven is. And I'm talking older, like late 40s. And um, realizing what had happened at seven and everything, you know, during that, during, right before, whatever in my life and just remembering it. And remembering it in a way where maybe I had totally not even ever thought about it was traumatizing, or I don't know. It was it was it was a journey. Um, it was a journey, but you learn, or at least you think you learn to accept loss early, you know? Um, Yeah, I was told, you know, don't cry. You're not supposed to cry. Why do you think that is? I mean, because that's just what you're just not supposed to cry as a man. Because you were a boy? Or? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was a boy, and I mean that was, that was something that my uh, my dad himself would have said, you know, and I knew that as seven years old. Why do you think um, boys, men, are not given the room to have? the large array of emotions that humans naturally have. I feel though sometimes, and then especially for black men, that the only emotion allowed and and recognized is anger. Yeah, that's deep. Because it's like as a black man, a lot of times I feel like I'm only heard 
Well, it depends on the situation. But a lot of times, for the most part, you know me, I'm pretty lighthearted. I'm serious, but lighthearted. It's kind of, I can see where it could be confusing at times. Passionate, for sure. But, um, I'm not, I don't like to fight, you know? And in most cases, I just kind of want to say my and maybe we talk about it and keep it moving or whatever. But I don't, I don't usually feel it's like, I don't know, man. You about that? We'd have to have a whole nother episode if I started getting into all of that. <laughs> As I'm thinking, cause we don't. It's just confusing. I feel like you just have to. You have to be who you are, and find who you are, and work through who you are. You can't, as a black man, I've learned that I can't blame. I can't, I can blame my parents for my childhood, maybe. But I can't blame them for my adulthood. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's a point to make because, you know, we can we can have crappy childhoods, but at one at what point do we move from that and create the life that we want to have or that we get stuck? A lot of people get stuck in saying, you know, my childhood was awful because X and some people have really suffered at the hands of, you know, whomever raised them or um, whatever adults were around, whether it was mother, father, grandmother, foster, whoever. They didn't see nothing else. You know, right. like what you said, exploring. They didn't see other examples. These examples weren't real. Nobody lives like the Huxtables, really. You mm-hmm. know, nobody. Well, my friend Eric seems to think that he did. And. Oh, I believe some people did, but that doesn't mean that their lives were perfect, you know, and they still had the same issues just like every other family. You may think it's cool. You may think that, you know, life is easy or whatever, but they still have the same issues, you know. The same like type that of country shit. Song. Which one? Um, All of them. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, no, I think it's called The Rug. And it's like everyone has the same dirt and dust. Yeah. Sweeping it under the rug. Yes. And you know, as long as we are folding, I don't know all the words, but she says something around um, as long as we're folding our dirty laundry, then things look neat. It's it's all the same. Shit. It's I mean I I believe that it's like as a grown man today I understand why my parents were the way that they were mm-hmm. based on how they were raised based on stories 
that my now, my grandmother is what, 89, 88, 89 maybe? But based on stories, no, she's older than that, that she has told me about her grandmother being a slave. Mm -hmm. These people, our ancestors, we say these people because we forget that slavery really was not that far uh, uh, you know it wasn't that long ago my grandmother can say her grandmother was a slave okay my mother my mother who grew up in Pontiac Michigan can say she was down south and when she went when she was in junior high school when she went down south and she saw colored bathrooms and restrooms and all of that and she didn't know what the hell was going on that was that's my mother they were raised by slave owners they were disciplined by slave owners all of their examples were from what they saw being broken through slavery. Mm-hmm. This is the truth. It's real. It's it's complicated and and yet sort of simple in a weird way. I mean, you you beat your kids. You, you you raise them. Don't say nothing. You're you're to be seen, not heard. You 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 crack the belt to invoke fear. I mean, what is that? Yeah, that sounds like slavery to me. You two, you ain't got no opinion. You a kid. That sounds like slavery to me, and I can't wait till your ass is eighteen. So you can get out of my house. That sounds like slavery to me. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that it's slavery and, you know, your parents didn't do the best that they could or they didn't go through things because I definitely know that, you know, I don't I don't feel that my parents didn't do the best that they could at all. I don't feel that, but I feel like we all have a that we put on our kids. And the sooner that you can figure out some of your and be honest about it, you know, and be real about it, and then think about the kid that you were and how maybe you may have wanted to be treated, the better you may be at being a parent. And then realizing that Every session is a lesson. Every time you do something, you're learning something. You don't beat yourself up. Keep moving. Well, we really hope you enjoyed this conversation. But there's more. So, part two with me and Erica Washington on Sticky Note Conversations. Coming up next week. Thanks for listening to Sticky Note Conversations with Erica Washington. Hosted and executively produced by Erica Washington with music, mixing, and editing by Black Gypsy LLC. Special thanks to KUNV 91.5 in Las Vegas. This show is powered by Make It Work Nevada, a project of Tides Advocacy.